just quickly review and then we'll uh, start back again in John 16. But let's start uh, in Proverbs 4. <clears throat> Some verses here that um, intentionally want to either plant in your heart tonight or water. And we're either planting or watering when it comes to the Word. And uh, planting if you've never heard it before, watering if you have. Amen. And so Proverbs 4, and uh, we'll begin at verse number 20. Proverbs 4 and 20. <clears throat> my son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart for their life to those who find them and health, literally medicine, to all their flesh. And then verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. So hopefully we're going to um, tie some things together tonight. That's the plan anyway, um, if we have enough time to, to, to get all this done. But um, I wanted to bring this verse back uh, also tonight, these passages back also tonight, um, to just reinforce and build on something. And, and that is, I want you to consider verses 20, 21, and 22 as a practical way of being successful uh, with verse number 23. In other words, giving attention uh, to Father's words, uh, inclining your ear to His sayings. That paying attention or giving attention, um, the idea behind that is, is that we spend time thinking about it, setting our minds upon it. Um, Dr. Rick Renner uses the expression wrapping, you know, trying to wrap your mind around it. And, and as we try to wrap our minds around the Word of God, thinking deeply into it, this is when the Holy Spirit comes alongside and begins to reveal things and whisper things and breathe on things from the Word of God into our own hearts and spirits. So the, the giving attention, paying attention, wrapping your heart and mind around it, inclining your ear, listening to Him above all else, um, His voice above all others, keeping the Word of God in front of your eyes, uh, and, and again, keeping it in the midst of your heart, um, because His words are life to those that find it health all their flesh. And so then he's saying you've got to keep your heart with all diligence. So if we'll follow the instructions um, in, in the verses before this, uh, it's going to make it a lot easier for us to keep our heart with all diligence. And he says that this is necessary for out of it spring the issues of life. One of the things that <clears throat> I like to, to point out to people that are making progress um, in the life that Father created them to live is to make sure they understand why that progress is occurring in their lives. Um, if you're doing better tonight than you were six weeks ago, um, first of all, thank God. Anybody? Yeah, all right. Okay. Uh, so then the answer, the next question then, and I hope you know the answer to this, is do you know why? Is do you know why? And there's different ways to answer that question, but what it really boils down to is um, you've got more of Father's truth in your heart more of, of His living and powerful Word working in your life, producing its results. We talked about this in the Ephesians class this morning, but Isaiah 55, speaking of God's Word that comes out of His mouth, He said within that Word there's power to prosper and power to accomplish the thing that He sent it forth to accomplish and in the area that He sent it forth to prosper in. So the Bible 
when it speaks about things like finances, or when it speaks about things like marriage, or when it speaks about things like raising children, or when it speaks about things like our mental and emotional health and well-being, he's not just giving us insight and instructions uh, with those words. He certainly is giving us insight and instruction with those words. But because they're God's words, those words also contain within them the power to produce the very thing they're revealing to you. So more of his word operating in your life is going to produce more of his results. Amen. I should have said it this way. The more of his word working in your heart that's, that's in your heart, uh, it's going to produce more of his results in your life. So keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Now this morning, we began in John 14 and 1. And this is, again, Jesus speaking to us, and he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And just to quickly review, that word let there means allow, and since this is a let not, he's saying do not allow your heart, your inward man, um, to be troubled. And um, that word troubled has to do with something being agitated, something being bothered, something being stirred up, okay? And, um, and so, again, uh, I'll use this example. This water, as long as it's in its resting state, um, there's no movement in it. If the water becomes agitated, it's because something on the outside of it is acting upon it. And we said that peace was the default setting for the human heart. In other words, God created us to be settled. He, he created us to be at peace. And it's things on the outside of us acting upon our heart that causes it to be bothered, that causes it to be uh, annoyed and agitated. And of course, from this comes stress and then comes anxiety. And, and then the Bible says that anxiety in the heart causes depression. And, and then other things like unforgiveness. And then a refusal to forgive left uh, in our hearts to grow. Um, it puts down roots and becomes bitterness. And so, again, do you, do you see uh, how these things that, that we allow in that act upon our heart, that's what creates the, uh, the agitation and the, uh, the lack of peace. But we said this morning that a troubled heart will produce a troubled life. And a lot of times, you know, we think that it's the trouble going on around us that's causing our heart to be troubled. But we said and learned this morning that it's not a troubled life creating a troubled heart, but it's a troubled heart creating a troubled life. Remember, we weren't created to live from the outside in. We were created to live from the inside out. From the heart spring forth the issues of life. So if there's trouble uh, that's taking place in your life, it's, 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 it's springing forth from trouble on the inside of you. Now, we also ask a question this morning, just again to review if we could for a moment or two. Um, was anyone interested in a carefree, worry-free life? And, and not only is that possible, it's the birthright of every born-again believer. Now, what I want us to get into tonight, so go ahead and turn with me to John 16 and 33. I'll put that one up on the screen as well. This is where we ended this morning for those of you who uh, were not with us. Amen. John 16, 33. Jesus speaking again, he says, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. 
In the world you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, we don't have time to go through all the verses, but it comes as a surprise to a lot of people. But the Bible's very clear on this, that Satan is the ruler of this world. Um, Jesus identified him, Satan, as the ruler of this world. Uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 4, um, he's not just identified as the prince or the ruler of this world. He's identified as the God, lowercase g-o-d, of this world. And of course we see that the, the enemy uh, uses circumstances and situations uh, in the world around us to try to manipulate and influence us. I, I said it this way a few weeks back in a morning class and, and it's, it, it came out this way that the devil's trying to play you Anybody here ever been played? You know what I'm saying? You know what, you know what I mean by that? The devil's trying to play you. He's, he's working uh, angles against you. And, and he's trying to deceive you into receiving from him things that come from him into your heart. He's trying to, to manipulate um, the things that are going on in your life around you. When we talk about circumstances... Uh, think about uh, circumference, circumnavigating the, the globe. Um, he's talking about things that are in a circle around you. So the idea behind circumstances, these are things that would stand in a circle around you. Things that, that are uh, in, in and around your life that look, seem, and feel as if they are opposing you. And then this word tribulation, it is the Greek word uh, thlipsis is the transliteration of it, and I just remember that because it's a really unique word, the way it's spelled T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S, and it, and it means pressure from an outside source. So notice that Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace, in the world you will have thlipsis, you, you, you will have pressure, things, circumstances, things that stand around you in a circle that are applying pressure um, to your life. Do you see now why he says in Romans 12 to not be conformed to and by this world? Because the world that we live in is applying pressure to us. And, and the idea, if, like Play-Doh or clay, something that, that is, is formed uh, by pressure being applied to it. And if we do nothing, the pressure that is around us in this world is going to form us. It's going to form our thinkings. It's, it's going to shape our hearts and attitudes. Um, it's a negative world, for example. And if we do nothing to stay positive, we will become very negative, very pessimistic, just like so many other people in the world. This is, again, the strategy that the enemy is trying to use and work against us. But remember, Jesus told you and me, do not let your heart, do not allow your heart to be agitated. Do not allow it. He would have never told you, he would have never told you to put a stop to it if you didn't have the ability to put a stop to it. Now, so many folks are just so used to, you know, whatever blows through their life, stirring them up, aggravating them, agitating them. And, and um, you know, again, I hope you figured out by now that your enemy's trying to keep you stirred up, agitated, and bothered 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
And, um, but if we resist him, submit ourselves to God, resist him, he'll flee from us and, and, and get behind me, Satan. Amen. But we don't, we don't need to make it so easy on him. We, we invite too much strife into our lives. We, we open the door and, and allow ourselves to be entertained um, by other people's uh, uh, you know, dysfunction and, and, and other people's um, uh, loss and misfortune and, 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 and all these other things. And, and again, we are the gatekeeper. We have the personal responsibility to guard our heart from these things and not just welcome those things into our lives. Now, <clears throat> we said that there's a difference between in the world versus in Christ while in the world. Notice what Jesus said. I'll put the verse back up. Notice, pay close attention to the use of the word I-N-N, that in me you may have peace. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation. So we see two things here. We see that in the world we're going to have things surrounding us that put pressure on us. And he said, in the world we will have that, but in him we will what? Have peace. We will have peace. And so the example that we used this morning was the stuntman who sets himself on fire, but he's inside a fireproof suit. Are you seeing this? He's, in other words, he's in the fire, but he's in the suit. And because he's in the suit and in the fire, the fire's not touching him. Now, if he was just on fire without the suit, he'd be in a world of hurt. But he's in something that's protecting him from what's going on around him. It's insulating him. We could say it that way. So while we are in this world, we're going to deal with circumstances and situations. Jesus said you can, you can count on it, but if we're in Him, we will be protected from these things. Are you, are you hey amen, I almost want to put video or something on the screen to act this out for you, but you, are you following this, right? So notice again, these things I have spoken to you. These things I have spoken to you. Now, Jesus is saying things and, and has said things to us that will produce peace in our hearts. Back to Proverbs 4. Do you see why I wanted to begin there tonight? Incline your ear to my sayings. <laughs> Keep them in front of your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For the life to those that find them, medicine to all your flesh. Guard your heart with all diligence, for from it spring forth the issues of life. So notice now, Jesus is saying things to, first of all, the disciples who were sitting there listening to him, but he's also, we have those things recorded, his, his eternal word, right? We have those things recorded. So the same things that he said to them that would produce peace in their hearts, right? Those same things will produce peace in our hearts, all right? We also see that, that Jesus used the same expression when he was speaking of joy, he said, these things I have said to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So notice here, he reversed it that time because we're not just in Christ, but Christ is in us, right? We're in him, he's in us. Amen. It's much better to be in him and him be in us while in this world 
than to be in this world without being in him or without him being in you. Amen. So he said, these things I've spoken to you, these things I've given to you, these things I've revealed to you, these truths I've presented to you so that my joy may be in you because if his joy is in you, your joy levels are going to be full to overflowing. Amen. So we see then this, this, this beautiful uh, sustaining force of peace and this beautiful sustaining, strengthening force of joy. Notice in both cases, they're connected back to things that Jesus is saying to us. And if we don't hear what he's saying, if we don't take what he's saying and allow it to come into our hearts, the potential for peace, the potential for joy that it could have otherwise produced is going to be lost on us. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but let me go back just real quick. That in me you may have peace. Do you see that word? May. Let me, matter of fact, let me just jump ahead and I'll come back. That in me you may have peace. In me you may have peace. What is he saying there? It's not automatic. It's one thing for him to be saying these things, but if we don't listen to him and, and hide him in our hearts, if we don't, as the gatekeeper of our own heart, if we don't keep his word coming in our ear gate, coming in our eye gate, keeping it in the midst of our heart, the potential that it has to produce peace, the potential that it has to produce joy in us will not be experienced by us. So that's why he put the may there. The reason there's a may there. Uh, is because it involves not just him. If it was only him, it would be an absolute. But anytime there's a factor uh, involved in it that includes you and me, it goes from a sure thing to a maybe. Are you, see, are you understand what I'm saying? He's, he's perfect. He never makes a mistake. We're growing still. So he didn't say, now because I've said these words, every person who follows me will have peace all the days of their life. No, he's saying, if, if you hear what I'm saying to you, I've spoken these things so that in me you may have peace. Because he's not the only one speaking to us tonight. He's not the only voice in this world, right? And so we've got a choice. We can listen to him, let his words, allow his words in our heart. If we allow his words in our heart, our heart's not going to be troubled. But if we allow uh, voices that did not originate from our Father into our heart, well, they're going to produce a whole different set of emotions. Let's go back to it for just a moment. I've explained this throughout. Uh, I explain this often and early, and I don't think we could ever hear it too much, all right? But if, if we understand how we were created, the driving force behind all emotions, right, are thoughts. Thoughts are the driving force behind emotions. Amen. Now, I know a lot of people, especially if, if you've been tormented by, by uh, negative emotions, if, you know, dominant negative emotions have, have tried to rule your life, um, you may, you know, be easily offended because of that and then easily offended at this statement. But again, emotions are thought-driven, Okay. Choices are emotional driven. So our thoughts drive our emotions. Our emotions drive or influence our choices. The part of you that the Bible calls your soul is the part of you that thinks, feels, and chooses. It is your mind, emotions, and will. And this is the part. It's that, it's, it's the, it's the, uh, it's not your, oh my. Let me just settle down for a minute. Your heart, by definition, is the totality of your inward man. It is both your spirit and your soul. 
It is both your spirit and your soul. Well, if you're born again, your spirit is, is a completed work. It's our soul that is a work in progress, our mind, emotions, and our will. And that's the target. That's, that's where the enemy is trying to, uh, to manipulate you and deceive you and lie to you and get you to allow things through your eye gate, through your ear gate, into um, your mind, which is the gate into your heart. Are you with me? Talking about the things that you think about, the things that, that you, you meditate on or dwell upon. I love the way the Bible says it about the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says, she said within herself continually, if I touch the hem of his garments, I'll be made whole. What are you saying within yourself continually? It needs to be the truth. The enemy wants us to say things over and over to ourselves that are not the truth. Because as we feed our hearts with that stuff, our hearts are going to pump that outward into our life reality. So let's go back to it. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Jesus is saying things to them and to us that have the ability to produce peace in their hearts. But remember, peace, or for that matter, any emotion, anger, more we think about some hurt, some offense, notice the more we feed that, that emotion, stock, you know, stoke that fire uh, with you know, meditating, mulling it over, thinking about it in our hearts, the more we feed it with thought, the, the stronger that anger grows. Yes, no, maybe you follow me. So notice now that the words that Jesus is speaking, we're speaking to them, the words that he's speaking to you and me tonight, they didn't originate in the mind of a human being. They originated in the mind of God. They originated in the mind of our Father. So the reason he's saying that we can have peace, that we can have his peace, that we can have joy, and we can have his joy, is because he's presenting to us thoughts that came from the mind of God and these are the same thoughts from the mind of God that are producing the emotions that our Heavenly Father is experiencing in His heart tonight. His thoughts equal His emotions. That's why Jesus said, I've spoken these things to you so that you can have my joy, you can have my peace in your heart. Amen. So we've got that whole may, because He's not the only one who is speaking to us. Jesus is saying things that will produce peace, but the enemy and the world he rules over is saying things that produce worry, fear, stress, agitation, anxiety, and depression, and the list goes on and on. So do you see why Jesus says, do not allow your heart to be troubled because we have a choice when it comes to the things that we think about and meditate upon. Amen? So if you are not experiencing peace in your life tonight, it's being stolen from you. Jesus said this in Matthew, let's see, 11, I believe it was, Matthew 11. He said, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you 
and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Anybody familiar with these verses? And you will find rest for your souls. Now notice he said, come and he will give. Learn and you will find. I believe that peace is included in that umbrella of rest that Jesus is speaking about. When we come to Him, He gives us peace. But if we never learn from Him, we will never find the peace that we've been given. That's true with every other thing you've been given. He's given you healing. By His stripes you were healed. Come to Me and I'll heal you. Learn of Me and you will find healing for your body. Are you seeing this, right? So this is why he says, these things I've spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. He's given us that peace as a child of God. That's why I say a worry-free, carefree life is the birthright of every born-again believer. It belongs to you. It's been given to you. But we've got to learn from him in order to enjoy and experience the peace that is ours. Amen? All right, turn with me now to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, and we'll look at verses 6 and 7. Again, the word of God to you and me tonight, he says, Be anxious only for important things. Is that what it says? Don't be anxious unless the stakes are really high. Is that what he says? Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. You know why the Bible says be anxious for nothing? Because we don't have to be anxious for anything. I don't have to be anxious about anything. See, the devil will tell you you're not being a good parent if you're not worried about your children. He's lying. He is lying to you. He's trying to play you. He's trying to make you think that you're not being responsible because you're not worried. He's trying to tell you that, that you're just, you know, sticking your head in the sand, living a carefree, worry-free life. No, no, my friend. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, being ignorant or, or, you know, just turning a blind eye. That's, that is not faith. That is not faith. We're talking about what we choose to let in our hearts and what we choose to keep on the outside of that fireproof suit. Amen? Be anxious for nothing but in everything. So notice that the two words, nothing and everything, let nothing trouble you but everything that you face in life, take it to the Lord in prayer. Talk to Him about it. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
Come on now, where do I sign up for this, right? This is, this is what we desire. This is what we're after, right? The peace of God that passes all understanding. He's talking about levels and measures of peace that people who don't know the Lord or do, who, who don't walk with Him as closely as you do, they, don't, they can't understand why you're in the middle of the mess that you're in the middle of and you still have peace. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? In other words, he's, he's talking about a peace that is noticeable, a peace that shouldn't be. It's like we've been talking on Wednesday nights about Abraham's fate and the hope that it produced. And the Bible said he had hope when there was absolutely no physical reason for him to have hope. And it stood out, it was noticeable that he had a confident expectation for some future good when there was no sense realm, natural reason for him to have it. Father wants you and he wants me to have that same kind of peace in this life when everything around you is in chaos, you are in that fireproof suit, if you will, in the middle of all of that, at peace, experiencing the peace of God that goes beyond ability to understand. And notice that now that peace will guard your heart's and minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. All right, let's, let's do this tonight. Let's just nail it down. This is June 2nd, 2019. And we're not going to wait till tomorrow. We're not going to wait till June 3rd. We're going to start right now. Matter of fact, let me see. Let me see what it's 6.56. So a few minutes before 7, Central Standard Time, June the 2nd, 2019, we're nailing it down, right? Let's get out the hammer and the nail and let's nail it down, right? From this point forward, we are going to talk to our Heavenly Father about everything. We are going to talk to Him about everything. Every attempt from the enemy to trouble our hearts, we're going to take it to our Heavenly Father. We're going to take it to see what He's already said about that in His Holy Word. And when the enemy tries to double down and, and, and tighten the screws even tighter, we're going to respond by being thankful by giving thanks, by filling our hearts and minds and mouths and, and our own ears with our own voices of all that we have to be thankful for, of all that He's done for us, all that He's given to us. Are you hearing me? We're not going to sit there and worry. We're going to start reminding ourselves. Remember when Goliath was bearing down on David, right? And, 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 and the whole Israeli army and mocking them and making fun of them. And David said, I'm fixing to go take this uncircumcised heathen and feed his carcass to the birds of the air. I'm tired of this, right? And they're like, you're, you're just a kid and he's a man of war from his youth. And what did David start to do? He didn't get in fear. about. He could have very easily gotten fear about it. 
But what he decided to do instead was remind himself and anybody who would listen of the goodness of God in his life, telling about how the things you know he's experienced with God in his life, the things that follow has brought him through in the past. And the same God who delivered the bear, the same God who delivered the lion will deliver this man into my hands today. In other words, he was there in that moment where he could have, he could have caved into the pressure or he could have risen up in faith. And rather than caving into the pressure, he rose up in faith. But how did he rise up in faith? Not by comparing himself to Goliath, not by comparing uh, his military skill to Goliath. He rose up in faith when he compared Goliath to his God. Are you seeing this? Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known to God. What's going to be the result of this? The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, Pastor Mark, I don't really see how that's going to help. Well, you obviously haven't tried it. Amen. See, now all this fear and anxiety and anxious thoughts and, and, and worry, it starts agitating our hearts and and it's just a matter of time if we're not careful now, these words are going to start coming out of our mouths and we're going to start Googling stuff and we're going to start talking to people about things and we're going to, we're going to try to find somebody that's been through something similar and see what happened with them. And, and, and the next thing you know, that whole side of that situation has consumed your heart. Can't sleep at night, can't get any peace about it, just, just can't eat, just... Are you, are you eat too much? You know, and it's funny how we go either way with that, right? You know, can't eat enough. You know, just, you know, just all this stress and response and all these other things. What, what would have happened if, if we'd have just taken that situation, that circumstance to Father, asked Him His thoughts on it, found out what He had to say about it in His Word, began to give thanks to Him for all the things that He's already done for us, all the situations He's already brought us through, all the ways He's already helped us out in the past. See, now we're feeding our hearts with something that's going to start producing. Now guess what? Something positive, something full of faith is going to start coming out of our mouth. And the life pump that is our heart is going to begin to work to change those circumstances around us rather than feed into them and reinforce them. Amen? All right, I think you're getting done before me tonight, so let me do this. Um, hallelujah. Are you getting anything out of this? Amen. Some practical stuff that I think we need to, um, we need to understand. I'm, I'll tell you what I want to do. Can I do this tonight? I want to... I wanna, um, I want to read a section out of the book to you. The book's at the editor. Um, she's supposed to have it back to me sometime around the 16th. And, um, and then from there, amen, hopefully it's, it's not going to be too, <laughs> not going to need a whole lot of fixing, amen, as far as my grammar and all that sort of stuff. But um, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring forth the issues of life. When he says, do not be anxious for anything, he then gives you the practical 
instructions for carrying that out. The way to not be anxious in any area, in any situation, is in everything, in every area, in every situation, prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, making our requests made known to God. See, what we're not factoring in, let's go back to thoughts do what to emotions? Thoughts drive emotions. Fearful thoughts cannot produce peaceful emotions. That's pretty simple, right? So now, by talking to our Heavenly Father about these things, by filling our hearts deliberately, intentionally with thankfulness and speaking those words out of our mouths, we've just set in motion in our heart things that will produce peace in our lives. You say, well, I don't understand how that works. Well, that's why it's peace that passes understanding, my friend. Are you seeing this? Well, it don't make sense to me. It's not supposed to. He didn't say peace that makes sense. He said peace that passes understanding. Amen. We all need it, but some of you in this room tonight, you really, really, really need some peace that passes all understanding. You're facing some really serious stuff. So notice... The way we are not anxious is not by trying to not be anxious. This is important right here now. The only way to not be anxious is to be thankful. The only way to not be stressed and worried is to carry these things these situations to our Father in prayer and, and get His words on it and get that stuff going in our hearts and get that stuff coming out of our mouths. I think the mistake we make on let not your heart be troubled is we, so, we focus so much on, on not letting our heart be troubled. Remember He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. Notice, again, He's telling us how to not let our heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled by believing in God. Believe in what God says. Believe in what Jesus says. Not just in what Jesus said. How about what He's done for us? How about the victories that He's won for us? How about the redemption that He's bought and paid for? How about the new creation that He's made us? How about the right standing that He's given to us? How about the authority that we now have in His name? How about the keys that we have to His kingdom? How about the Word of God that we have now that makes demons jerk and tremble? Right? Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. If you focus on not letting your heart be troubled, your heart will be troubled every time. But if you'll focus on believing in God and believing in Jesus also, if you'll focus on, uh, you know, everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So, this section of the book, and it, it, it's, I mean, I'm just going to read it. The, the chapter title is Stuck on Not, all right? Stuck on Not. Subtitle is Vices or Virtues? Question mark. Your life was never meant to be defined by what you don't do, but by what you do. 
We were created for doing as opposed to not doing. When you return home from a long day, you don't tell your family all the things you didn't do that day. Can you imagine a mom asking her daughter, what did you not do at school today? See, we, that, we don't even, we're not even wired that way, right? We, 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 don't, we don't say, what did you not do today? Where did you not go today? What did you not have for lunch today? Right? Instead, what did you have? Where did you go? What, what did you do? Are you seeing this? Life flows when we pour ourselves into doing positive, healthy things, but becomes stagnant when our focus shifts and our efforts become on not doing or avoiding negative and unhealthy things. Keywords like sobriety are often thought of as not being drunk or intoxicated, while abstinence means not doing or having something you want or enjoy. Sobriety is an important step towards recovery, but recovery is much more than avoiding something you want for the rest of your life. Trying to live the rest of your life not doing something you want to do is not recovery and cannot be sustained. That's the most important thing. Remember, life flows when we pour ourselves into doing positive, healthy things. It is one thing to abstain from vices and another to pursue virtues. People fail at recovery because they never shift from a life focused on not doing drugs to one focused on pursuing the life God created them to live. Subtitle, swept clean is not enough. Aristotle said nature abhors a vacuum. He came to this conclusion by observing the way nature requires every empty space to be filled with something, even if that something is air. Recovery is more than just getting negative things, bad habits, and unhealthy relationships out of your life. The emptying of these creates holes in your life and daily routine that must be filled with positive things, good habits, and healthy relationships. If you do not intentionally fill the vacuum with things that will sustain your recovery, other things will be pulled in and fill the gaps. Jesus talked about a man who was set free from an unclean spirit but did not fill the vacuum created when it left. After a while, the demon returned with seven of his buddies and found a house that had been swept clean but remained empty making it easy for them to move back in and take control. Jesus said the man ended up in a worse condition than he was in originally. You and I both know the demons are going to make another run at us at some point down the road. Amen or oh me. It is very important for our lives to be so filled with right things there is no room for them to move back in and for our hearts to be so full of light they would not be comfortable if they tried. You see the difference here now? This whole idea that, that we're going to try to live the rest of our lives not letting our hearts be troubled. No, we're going to live the rest of our lives keeping our hearts so full of truth, so full of thanksgiving, so full of the wisdom of God, so full of the, of, of the life and, and, and the goodness and, and, and the resources. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? That there's no room for things to come in and trouble. Amen? All right, stand with me tonight. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So there's a tipping point. I talk about this a lot in the classes that I teach. There's a tipping point in life. It's, 
It's an important tipping point. As this applies to addiction recovery, it's when your life is no longer defined by what you're running from, but now becomes defined by who and what you're running towards. Right? We're not focused on keeping the bad things out. We're focused on bringing the good things in. Amen. Amen. That our lives and our hearts and our families are so full of the life and peace and goodness of God that it's almost laughable when the devil tries to play us in the future. Amen. 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 Father, thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you for these beautiful men and women. Thank you, Father, for the effort that's represented here in this room tonight. Father, worshiping you not just on a Sunday morning, but on a Sunday evening, Father. Giving it a second go, Lord, on Sunday. And I'm so thankful for folks, Lord, who aren't making excuses about other things and other places they could, uh, could be going and doing. But Lord, they're here tonight because they believe you have something to say to them. Something that is worth hearing, something that's worth an investment of their time and effort. And Father, I thank you that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. Father, I thank you tonight that we're going to talk, even those, Lord, Father, who maybe have already in the past, we're just either making a new commitment or renewing an old one, Father. We're talking to you about everything. There's not a person in this room, Father, that doesn't know when their hearts are being agitated and, and things are starting to bother them. Father, may we talk to you about those things. May we find your answers, your thoughts, and ultimately your peace, Lord, in our hearts where these circumstances are concerned. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.